Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Lads, we are back. Yeah, We are. Don't know why I sung there. We should do it more often. I don't know about that. Every episode. No, no. No? No. So when someone takes a turn each episode to sing something. Like we had, we, I don't know. singing I'm a Barbie girl. I love that. Like he, that video is incredible. (laughs) He's a rock star. He is a gem. You have to keep him. He need the character. You need that character on the team. Yeah, he should be starting. I don't. He balances out like the refound, like the renewed grit of this team. Ben, okay, okay, hold, hold your horses there. I think he's a second defenseman right now. Okay, let's. But first in our hearts. But like Ben, um, this is a big show, eh? The trade deadline was Monday. Mm-hmm. It was very exciting. Ah, well, we did really. no work. We just did. You guys have a lecture at a lecture, and uh, I did, yeah, I was so distracted. I I did. I was uh, my uh, online lecture. Like it was asynchronous, so I did that on Friday before. So I didn't have you. Were, so you're the responsible. Yeah, yeah. We I should learn one, from Alex. I had one ten to twelve, but like. Like if if it was like a normal year and the deadline was at twelve and stuff, I would have been worried. But once I found out it was at three, I was like, okay, yeah, nothing's gonna really happen. And I don't think anything actually did until like two thirty, like normally. Yeah. But like all the trades were the night before, the big ones. Yeah, I overanalyzed all the small ones because I just needed that substance throughout the day yeah. to make uh, to make it worth it that I was online the whole day. <laughs> I was ready to go to bed the night before, and then it's like boom. Yeah, yeah, we all. Then it's like Bob McKenzie's like, "Hey guys, by the way, Jeff Carter's getting traded. Excuse me. Oh, the Leafs got David Riddich. Excuse me. Oh, and by the way, Taylor Hall's (laughs) going to Boston. Like, what is happening here? I just I laughed with the Taylor Hall one where it's just the suspense of it. Where it's like I hear Curtis Lazar is being traded. Yes, and then Dreger's like, it may be something more, and you're like. Okay, good. I'm staying up. Yeah, and then you know we're scrambling to make the graphics. I some yeah, it was it was weird. I wasn't a massive. Sorry fan. again about the font. No, that doesn't matter. Okay. okay, listen, as long as you're on time to the podcast, who cares about the graphics? Yeah. Okay, well, guys, I feel like we could have a much more relaxed, open discussion show. I feel like sometimes mm-hmm. we're a bit too tight collared. We're too White serious. Collar. We're going to be blue collars today. We're not 1970s sports analysts. Uh, no, I was going to try and do something there. I don't know where, I don't know what a 70s. Like they have like, you know, like that, they have like the nasally, the, an- the anchor voice. Yeah. The nasally anchor voice. The well, no, I think, voice. yeah, I can't, I'm not going to try and do that. I'm not going to, it's that, or it's like the further back you go and like how the quality of mics are so bad. It just sounds like. <laughs> And well, the Battle of Britain commenced in such a way where the RAF bravely fought off the Luftwaffe. I don't, I don't like remember that in a hockey again. game. 
What? I don't remember that in the hockey game. <laughs> and there's the first line of the Toronto Maple Leafs landing on the beaches. Because <laughs> like they went to war. It wasn't yeah, or at least like, like players back then had second jobs, right? Yeah. Yes. I, I'm sure there are NHL players that served in the World War. Like in Oh yeah, there definitely were. Yeah. Was the power. NHL yeah. around for World War One? Yes. No, is. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Was it? Yeah, they, they, but they didn't play. Uh, maybe it wasn't the NHL, but there was professional hockey. And I yeah, yeah, I figured had... that. But was the the NHL itself is one thing because obviously there uh, was like there were those pre days when it was like still the Sens, like the St. Pat's, the Habs were still like not, they might have been like, Montreal Maroons. Anyway, who cares? Uh, like, but well, not you know, for the Boer War, I think. Like no. we could probably think Maurice Richard was probably scoring fifty in the sun and like the winter and then in the summer he was who knows maybe he was serving in in egypt i don't know he was but there must be some players that would have done it i i guarantee it yeah um yeah world war is it nothing is quite as interesting to to study as world wars i don't know what it is it's fascinating that i will agree with you on yeah yeah so we like throughout the show, we're gonna look at Leafs, we're gonna look like look at the halves, we're gonna look like the second game they had, but like that's towards the end. That's not the biggest thing here. Um, we're gonna look at some individual trades, some stuff that you know turns out might not have happened. Um, first though, guys, I want to ask you, your winners and sellers of the deadline. Um, let's not do honorable mentions yet. Yeah, so Alex. we'll start with the buyers and we'll start with Alex. Uh, sorry, you want me to break down the winners and losers for buyers? Is that no, just I give mean? me one. Just give me one buyer for I wanted to see, I want to see all three of our buyer best winners here. Okay, if I say the least, will you guys think I'm biased? No, I you know no one I voted for ours. <laughs> you know, on our poll, no one voted for the Leafs. I oh, oh the Felino one. Or like, what was like the best deadline deal? And then no one well, voted because for it. Felina was a good. We'll talk about it. Felina was a yeah. good ringy. The deal itself is bad because it was a first. Mm-hmm. But looking at go like, give your reasoning why it's the Leafs. Because I, I think it's a good bet. I I think it's the Leafs because for me, when I looked at what each team needed in the for the deadline, and we did it over the last four weeks, I feel like the Leafs accomplished everything that they were looking for. They got a back uh, they got a third string goalie mm-hmm. who was better than a third string goalie they brought in a depth defenseman so martin Murchin doesn't have to play in the nhl mm-hmm. they brought in some depth forwards right like stefan nosen probably won't touch the nhl but if there's injuries he can play and mm-hmm. then they brought in a guy who can play on the second line in nick felino and i think we'll we'll talk about that trade because i don't necessarily think it's as bad as people make it out to seem, but it is a little bit pricey. Mm-hmm. I just think Nick Foligno really fits on, fits what the Leafs were looking for. So the reason I'm be, I'm being asking you to be careful when it comes to honorable mentions is because there wasn't a lot of teams here, so our right. options are a little limited. But Daniel Byers, honorable mentions. Who do you have? Or sorry, mm. your who is your best buyer of the deadline? For me, um, yeah, it's it's hard. It's it's really difficult because like we we did not really have a lot of teams. Like if it if we if I like go on what Alex said, like I would have to say like in terms of checking off a list, I'll have to say it really was the Leafs where they kind of 
did what they needed to and like what Elliot Friedman kind of mentioned like they they kept their pro- they kept their top guys there without sacrificing anything and I think like just one thing too is I know it was the price of the first round pick for Nick Felino, but again like and I've said this so many times like I'll look at Barclay Goudreau and Blake Coleman that I know this is the busy example that people have mentioned but the way I see it is I think the Goudreau one was fine because they got a third Tampa got a third back in that deal but I think the Blake Coleman one is a bigger overpay than it was for Nick Felino because they also gave away um, it was Nolan. which foot brother was Nolan. it again? Nolan, Nolan Foot. Yeah, it was twenty seventh like that past June, and then they gave up another first that became twentieth. I don't think you can compare any of the like. I don't think you can compare those two deals because it was. And Alex mentioned this one. I I forget how it came up. They had the extra year, which is so mm. important. Like without those good contracts, Tampa are not as strong as they are. And God damn, I hate them. Um, I have Toronto on my list as well. Um, And for argument's sake, I'll I'll say Tampa in a second here. But the big thing with the Leafs is bringing in like literally everything for every position. The only roster player they gave up was Barabanov. And he's not even an everyday guy. (laughs) Like there is, I don't think there is a real sort of thing of saying the Leafs were the number one buyers. But like, for argument's sake, because we're going to sound like the TSN panel here in a second if we just keep going Toronto, 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 even though we're going to spend a lot of time because we focus on them and the Habs here. I also think we have to mention Tampa Bay because they set a new sort of way of trading in this flat cap era with this whole middle ground team. Um, and the fact that they got David Savard for a million dollars is just so dumb. And I, I seriously can't stand Tampa Bay. I, I still, by the way, think that they're like the best team in the league. Um, but it honestly, and like sellers, by the way, going off here, I think the best sellers were Columbus by far. Yeah. Yeah. For all those UFAs. Mm-hmm. Was it? They have three first rounders now with theirs included for Savard, for Felino. Got some fourths in there too. It, they really, really did well. I mean, that's how you start off for another team that we're going to talk about later. Probably could have learned a thing or two from Yermo Kekalainen here. Who's that? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about him. Well, who who is trying to rebuild and probably got some pretty crap returns on some UFAs? It may be oh. Buffalo, who we're going to get to in a second. Is it Buffalo? It's yeah, it's Buffalo. <laughs> Just took a guess there. You know, okay, this came to mind, but I think one team that was kind of underrated as well, and they did pretty well, not just with the trades, but just kind of putting pieces here and there, and it's been the Florida Panthers. Where I know, like, there's a degree of risk with Nikita Gusev, but, you know, it's a low-risk thing that they've been able to kind of turn, you know, these forwards around for their seasons, um... You know, like Brandon Montour, I like I like him a lot. We mentioned him mm-hmm. last episode. Yeah, but again, I like think with Sam Bennett, I think like that's just the move you go for a guy that could play a natural center and be in a top nine. Let's 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 hold off on Bennett because we are spotlighting that trade a little later. Yeah, yeah. It just I guess yeah. Again, what you said for argument's sake, I would add the Florida Panthers in that conversation as well. Yeah. Any other good sellers we want to mention here? Uh, I just want to mention Detroit. Yeah, that's they didn't one. do they didn't do a whole lot yesterday. Um, 
I think they only did made one trade, did they not? It was the or it was the Manta deal. And it was the Manta deal. The only reason I'm putting them in there is because they got such a haul for Manta. Yeah. Um like they got a first, a second, Jacob Vrana, and I mean I guess Richard Panic was a throw in, but they need to hit the floor, so Yeah. There we go. There, there's a contract for that. So I, I think they did really good yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy I want to spotlight: Chicago and Stan Bowman. Uh, a second for Yenmark. Um, hmm. Hmm. Um, I really liked what they sort of did here. Okay. Did we just compliment Stan Bowman? We did last. We, episode. We've been doing that like lately. Highmore deal was pretty good. I thought. Yeah. Yes. He's a they sell high on him, though. He just had, like, this string of two, three deals that just really caught up with him. And, like, like let's not forget. He's the only GM in God knows how long to build a three-cup winning team. I know, I know. Um, okay, you know, I found ironic, team... before we move on with Chicago, sure. yeah. I just found it ironic that he took back salary to get, you know, prospects in it. And I'm like, wait, is this usually, like, him on the receiving end for this? Right. Good on him, man. Listen, Vegas, they're a weird team. They're really weird. They're always in on everyone. Okay, one losers of the deadline. I have Carolina because Tampa got Savard. Florida got Montour and Bennett, who is a proven playoff performer. I don't think, and he's, I think he's a bit of an underrated, underrated defenseman, but I just don't think Yanni Hockenpah is what is going to put Carolina at the level. The teams they need to beat in the playoffs got better. I don't think Carolina themselves did. I think they overvalued Hakimpa as a right-hand shot and for the grit. he Because he does play that Ducks kind of. Oh, yeah. That type of way where, like, you know, he'll drag you through the mud. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think they, in a way, they overvalued it, but they also kind of looked at, like, they're not going to keep Hayden Flurry anyways for the expansion draft. But... Mm-hmm. I think I agree with you. The disappointment there was that I thought they were going to use one of the defensemen that are not getting as many minutes as they should in a deal to get a goalie. That's fair. Alex, what do you, uh, who is your, who is your, your buying team that disappointed you? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say uh, Carolina as well. Cause I feel like they're the only buying buying team. And we, we've already said there weren't many to begin with that, didn't really make that impactful a move. You brought up the guys in their division. Um, like you look at what the guys in the East did. Every single top four team made a move, an impactful move, whether it was Monday or before that. Even in the West, uh, Colorado and Vegas made their moves. Even though they were small ones, they still sh- shored up that depth. We never really saw Minnesota to make that big a move. And then the only one was Winnipeg, who I pr- would have liked to make a bigger move. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess I understand the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Daniel, your seller that disappoints. Sorry, you're, you're, come on, doing your buyer that you thought, man, you could have done more. Like I mentioned Carolina already. Um, I think for me, it was kind of Vegas because I know they got Yanmark and. They're a team that I think I've just got so accustomed to the big move mm-hmm. from them where they've shown that they're not afraid to kind of get someone out of that core and make 
like changed the dynamic completely. I remember they had the rumors about Pacioretty, which is something where I really kind of felt that maybe they'll they'll uh, you know circle back to it and see what they can do. Um, that's certainly something that there wasn't there, but I think that Janmark is a solid one, but it was just kind of for me, maybe just because of the standard that was be- there before that I said, okay, like, is that's it? That's it. Like I, I wanted the, the splash. Fair enough. Um, okay. Do you guys have a seller that disappointed you that wasn't Buffalo? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, okay. Then, then, um, Alex, take us off first, then Daniel, then we'll talk about Buffalo because I they're my big one here. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like they're the obvious choice, but yeah. I feel like there's a couple asterisks there for for different reasons. But I'm going to go with Vancouver. I, I wasn't a big fan, and I know Daniel wasn't either because he, he was very vocal about that in the group chat on the Adam Goddett deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I saw a couple guys out of Vancouver, Harmon Dial, Thomas Drance, like, yes – it seemed like they sold really low on him mm. and Benning seemed to make, made it out to seem that, you know, they just weren't impressed with what they saw from Adam got dead this year. And it feels like all, every single team, like the teams knew that and that's how they ended up with that deal. Um, yeah. They got, they were able to get some assets, but I wasn't really entirely sure about that Madison Bowie deal. Um, it just it was a weird deadline for Vancouver to begin with because of the COVID situation. I just didn't really understand any of the moves that they made. Mm-hmm. Damn. For me, it's the Ducks because I think a big thing is they had term on two guys that I really felt that they could got, get a lot of value on them. And I know there were conversations on it with Josh Manson and Ricard Raquel. And the way I see it is that they're – they're more or less like in their prime. Like if I compare Anthony Mantha to a Ricard Raquel, but Raquel has been consistent. I know there's been a few injuries here and there, but the thing is that cap hit plus the extra year, they really tried, they could have just done something because the reality is like this team needs a full scale rebuild. Um, if you wanted to keep Ryan Getz off there, you had to want to keep Ryan Getz off there for the sake of legacy. Mm-hmm. But he even is the one who stated that like, if it made sense for the to get something that will help the team in the long run, he would have been traded. I remember Vegas being one of the options and even Montreal being one of the options. And yeah, it was weird. apparently Corey Perry connection there. Um, and he wanted to play in Canada again, maybe, I don't know, but that's the thing. Like you had a Josh Manson, you had a Ricard Raquel and you could have gone out there and get more assets for, for, for these guys. Like, Again, like I know, like the Mantha deal is really different, but it just, I, I like, I love Ricard Raquel. It's just, I think Bob Murray is loving these guys way too much to not deal them because the reality is, like, I think they're going to lose value on it unless they trade these guys at the, at the draft. You know what I like about Detroit trading Mantha is that the word seems to be, and Friedman talked about this on the 31 Thoughts post deadline podcast that they kind of look at the fact that by the time Detroit are good, Mantha is going to be, you know, around 30. Um, the Ducks, like Manson's not the youngest guy, but he's not the oldest, you know, same mm-hmm. with Raquel. It sounded like the prices were really high. And, and like, listen, everyone was going on about the possibility of maybe some expansion stuff, blocking some trades. 
I, I'm, I'm, I want to say I'd give more crap to Bob Murray if we go past the draft and these guys are still sort of there. Um, I'll defend him a little bit. I did like he got Hayden Flurry, mm-hmm. um, though it, it just I get you didn't have to really trade Raquel in that either, but at the same time, they're still I still don't know what the Ducks are, and you're just killing John Gibson. Yeah, I hate it. Absolutely hate it. Um, I don't. I didn't like what Winnipeg did. I don't like. Jordan. I've seen Jordy Ben play um, in top six and top four roles. I don't think he's going to be that much of a help to the Chets. Um, but hey, like I get that they don't want to trade any of their big guys, but still, it's just the same thing. The Leafs got better. Did the Jets? I don't think so. Okay, so the big one here though for the sellers. The Buffalo Sabres traded Eric Stahl, Brandon Montour, and Taylor Hall. They got... Oh, and sorry, Curtis Lazar as well. Forgot about him. Sorry, dude. For all those players, they got a second, two-thirds, a fifth, and a single body in Anders Bjork. Now, I know Hall had a no-move clause, but if I'm a GM, and maybe Kevin Adams isn't at the point where he can try and pull something like this, but... And it was so stupid that he got that no-move clause in the first place. Apparently, Vegas seemed to have had the best offer. Again, from Friedman and that. What was, was there a first in there? Apparently. And at the same time, apparently the Islanders had the same sort of the package they gave for Palmieri. Yeah. So and the way it seems to be, like Hall wanted to be a Bruin and the no-move clause sort of clamped it up and Kevin Adams basically said as much and so did Hall without actually saying it. This is what you do to Taylor Hall. Okay, so you don't want to go, you want to go to Boston and we don't get a better asset. Okay, I'm not going to trade you. And you're stuck here and your value doesn't go anywhere and you're not getting that deal. Or you suck it up and go to Vegas. You don't have to trade him now. I, I, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can let Taylor Hall walk. Oh, they look to, terrible now. They got a second. And but Bjork. they would look terrible if he was, in my opinion, Kevin Adams was in a loose-loose situation here. There was no looking good, especially the way Taylor, like, he's not, I guess he's not a sniper, but he only had two goals, right? Mm-hmm. So my, th- like, my, my thinking here is if you don't trade him, Buffalo, the fans are going to criticize you. Right, Mm -hmm. like at the end of the season, why didn't you trade Taylor Hall? Whatever. But you didn't. You also got a not great package. Like Sam traded him early too. Sam Bennett got a similar package to what you got. Mm -hmm. Right, so that's embarrassing too. Like I think this was a a lose lose situation. I, I I don't have much. Like I saw. I've seen the quotes from Taylor Hall and I do feel bad a little bit but not really like don't make it out like you knew when you went to Buffalo you were going to be the guy yeah you were the guy next to Eichel the day he signed I we all said it on the show if he plays next to Jack Eichel good things could happen could mm-hmm. unfortunately it didn't so he, he I, I I don't believe that he didn't want to be the guy like, like think of it like this like they didn't have they gave all the money to Hall yeah. So they couldn't sure up their depth. 
So the only thing that changes is, yeah, you have this wicked top line, but the difference between a top-heavy team like the Bruins, for example, since we're talking about them in the same strand here, yeah. is they have some depth. Like, Krejci is there. Who's the second-line center there? Like, Tate Thompson in Buffalo? Like, you know... Oh, yeah, Reinhardt's just, not playing center right now, yeah. Like, is it... Like, bearing down, like, you could have at least tried and called Hall's bluff. And, yeah, at the same time, like, dude... It's Buffalo. What did you expect? And it was probably the most money he was getting in the summer because he played the system and he lost. I don't feel bad for Taylor Hall at all. But I do want to say this, though. A few weeks ago, I said that in our, I think it was the Eastern Eastern Division deadline preview. Yeah. I said that the Bruins should get Johnny Goudreau. And it would be the best environment for him because he would no longer be the guy. He would be behind the perfection line. It would be amazing. And I mentioned that because I think this is the best thing that could have happened to Taylor Hall. <laughs> like he is going to mm-hmm. be like probably playing with like, I don't know, Krejci and Craig Smith or because they seem to hate DeBrusque now for some reason. I love this, by the way. And now I guess we can kind of go to some of the individual trades here. I love this, obviously, for the Bruins at the same time, though, because it's the Bruins. I'm sure you guys can say this as well. I hate that they got him for a second. And I'm happy for Curtis Lazar because he seems like a great guy eating hamburgers off the ice back in his Ottawa Uh, days. That grossed me out. And it's just, he's a fun guy. He's a character. And it's nice to see that he's on a good team now. Yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hall is playing with Krejci and Craig Smith, by the way. What a beautiful line. He played last night. Good. Imagine finally it took them how long David Krejci actually has uh, wingers that the Bruins like. He did it. <laughs> it only took many trades and many years. Yes. The one thing I just kind of felt is again, like I know that there was a bit of a bluff there and there was kind of like th- there was that whole ultimatum kind of thing. But I think there's the one thing I kind of felt is maybe they could have explored the option just a little further. I know Steve Dangle is the one who tweeted that out where it's like you tweet, you, you trade him hours before the debt. Like you trade him the day before the actual deadline. Hours early. Yeah. What are you doing? For that package where I just, I kind of felt that maybe even wait until like the next day at noon. But do you, do you really think it would have like, I was thinking about that too. Cause I saw a lot of people saying, well, why didn't he wait until the deadline? Why didn't he wait until the deadline? Toronto wasn't it, like, for example, Toronto was not interested in Taylor Hall. So that now you're less one less buyer aware. How many teams? I don't know, but I wonder how many teams were actually interested in Hall, and would the deals have actually gotten that much better? You know, Lamorello has that saying of "You have time, use it." Yeah, I, like, I it wouldn't have hurt. Like, like we gotta remember, trades don't often happen like these discussions like the mantha one has probably been in in the weeds for a while now oh yeah yeah probably like, before his extension sure. like yeah at worst <laughs> you know honestly maybe <laughs> um god it's so weird out of nowhere that apparently like those are two problem childs we're talking we'll get to them later but it's like it was was the package really gonna go down the next day like where the like first of all how worse could have gotten I don't know. It was, and I love how they've hired Carmanos after the deadline. I'm sure there were some contracts up, but it just, I don't know. It just seems like that's also a move. Like, good for them, but 
you could you not have grinded that out to have it maybe there was something to do with like his contract in Pittsburgh I don't know but it's I feel so bad for Buffalo fans yeah it's a they're in such a bad situation but they also like not the fans I mean the team they put themselves in that situation Mm -hmm. and I mean like management put themselves in that situation like you knew and, and I think the COVID stuff definitely led to that 18 game or how, like, was it 18 or is that when it ended? 18 or 19. Like to that very long losing streak, it definitely applied to it. But Mm -hmm. even before COVID, before they got hit with COVID, it's not like we were seeing spectacular things from this team. No. They were having hard fought battles with the devils. Like it was, it was such a, poor situation and and it reminds me of when we had Harmon dial on the, the the second time and i asked him do you give jim like is there any benefit of the doubt for jim betting here and he goes no like he put himself in this situation yes and it's not all kevin adams fault I, it is did like it really isn't because he's just they just put him in there but man like i feel that's the guy i feel bad for kevin adams buffalo Please get better for your fans' sake. Um, a trade no one saw coming. And the gotta love when the Bob father comes back. Bob McKenzie, <laughs> just out of nowhere. Um, Jeff Carter, who for years, anytime there was rumors around Carter getting moved, it was like, nah, I'm gonna stay in LA, and then he stayed. Um, until now, who knows how the conversation went? Maybe it was, hey, Crosby. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> So for a pair of conditional picks, who cares? Go look it up at Cat Friendly. We don't care. Uh, the Pens get Jeff Carter. Um, there is some shenanigans when it comes to cap recapture if he retires, but it's not that much. Um, I, what do you What do you guys think? I just this was such a random deal out of nowhere. It just felt like something Brian Burke was involved in. I don't know if you guys got that same feeling, but as soon as I heard it, I thought Brian Burke. Um, but yeah. it, it, I, I think it does fill a hole. How many times, like how many trades have they made to try to find that third line center? Like, and Malkin's out for a bit. Yeah. And, right, Jared McCann's and, not playing center right now. Like, I think this fits, he can play. I think Jeff Carter, if he needs to, if they need him to can play in that second line role. Mm-hmm. But as soon as Malkin comes back, like it's Crosby Malkin, Carter, like that's a really that's not, good. It's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. Like that can make some noise. Mm-hmm. I saw the joke online where uh, it's like when Brian Burke looks and sees that Jeff Carter is six foot three. Yeah. <laughs> <That> he... <laughs> Sorry, go go on, Daniel. Yeah, it just that was pretty funny, but um, yeah, I think it's just again, it's the Penguins were they're definitely a team that has been surging. We didn't really know what they were going to be like coming into the season. But despite the you know the obvious injuries that always plague them every year, no. they've been able to kind of roll with it, and it's it's another it's another thing where I think it's the Kings that they have to do gradually now, where they're gonna ask you know those championship veteran guys that are they're gonna ask them now like what what's best for you as you finish your career, like what do you want to mm-hmm. do, and I think mm-hmm. it just fits so well for them in Pittsburgh. I forgot what I was gonna yeah yeah yeah. So I know we give credit to Brian Burke and I feel like we're having a bit of a rap situation where everyone's like, yeah, Masai's the king. 
let's remember. And I was like on deadline day, my mom was like, Brian Burke. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but Ron Hextall. Yeah. And everyone is making this joke. So we will make it as well. Could you imagine the Penguins winning the cup with Ron Hextall and Jeff Carter? Hello, (laughs) Philly. Suck it. (laughs) That would be, that would be funny. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, Just, I don't know if you yeah, want sorry, to go on, go on. quickly. Just a question. Yeah. Is this the oldest uh, middle down the middle? Is this oldest center it? core? Oh, it might be. In the league right now? It has Ooh. to be, right? Yeah, Vancouver, pretty young. Yeah, Kuznetsov's not as old as Backstrom. Kuznetsov's 28? Around there, yeah. Yeah. Not 30 10, yet. 10. Backstrom's uh, around like the same He's 33. All these guys are in their 30s, right? So Yeah. Who's the second-line center in Anaheim right now? Who knows? I don't know. Sam Steele. Okay, never mind. Yeah, that uh, yeah. offsets gets slapped pretty well. <laughs> oh, Adam Henry. It's like Adam Henrique gets laughed. If Sam it's Steele. Henrique on a given night, they may challenge that. Because he's, uh, he's 31. Yeah, and then gets laughs 35. 35. 35. Okay. Oh, yeah, Maybe if Joe Thornton it. plays center. Maybe. Yeah. Remember when Patrick Marlowe used to be a center? I remember that. <laughs> I did not know that. That was when uh, he was still like making the All Star games. Oh. Well, he's close to Gordy Howe's record. Yes. Coming soon. Yeah. Excited to talk about that one when, when he reaches that milestone. Um, credit where credit is due to Brad for living. Is it? Bra- hold on, hold on. I always get it yes, mixed up. Yes. He's Brad. His <laughs> dad, dad is is the Jim, other one. Is Jim? Is that the Jim. Boston Pizza Man? <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> By the way, listeners, if there's if you ever have free time, look up the PK Subban Boston Pizza commercials. They're golden. Anyway, like the Bruins, uh, what they're golden, like the Bruins. No, no more. What are you doing? No. I'm, just, I'm just sorry, what's just your, Boston pizza, Boston pizza. Like, they just, yeah, it's just funny. They always have those playoff matchups that you know we all love back in the day, but yeah. it's like Boston pizza is a Canadian franchise, what's and then to have PK Subban with Boston pizza, just it's, it's too good. And then Malcolm Subban, if we want to add another connection to that. Oh, it's funny. I actually think he there's a clip when he's serving beer and it's either a Leaster or a Bruins fan and he just tips it over towards them. It's like, yeah, suck it. I miss him so much. Yeah, obviously he was one he was a hab. Yeah. Um, but credit is a credit, predator. Credit, we need to talk about Brad Living. Credit is credit is due. He was patient well, he's been patient for a couple of years with Sam Bennett, but he gets and funny enough, you said it earlier, guys. I had it written down, and as a result of his patience, he gets a Taylor Hall like return on the deal. I have no idea how he did that. Yeah. Um, but it, it is a it is a site like a good package considering he want Sam Bennett did want to like this was this was out there a few months ago now, and it's Sam Bennett like yeah. stories not. He's he's good in the playoffs, but when, I I don't remember who it was on on the Sportsnet broadcast. It might have been Mike Fuda actually saying his highs when he's hot he's hot, but when he's low he is low, mm-hmm. and that is Sam Bennett. Mm-hmm. It's it reminds me of like it's kind of like a spark plug kind of thing where it's just another project for the Panthers where what you said perfectly what Mike Fuda Mike Fuda said it reminds me of Anthony Duclair. Like when he's up there, he's up there. But when he's not, then it's so obvious. And I think it's just another guy you take into Florida and try to rework that. Like, 
so many examples like that. We've talked about Carter Verhage so many times, Anthony Duclair. We've talked about Frank Vetrano. All these guys have just transformed their game in Florida. Alex Wenberg, if you want to add him as well. Yeah. Well, the Quinville effect, man. It's it's really that's really, really funny. It's like Duclair at his worst, Tortorella says he can't play hockey. At his best, an all-star in Ottawa. Just what a weird player. Um and you know what? This is only the start. You know what? The draft and the offseason, the flames are gonna be fascinating because it, this is this is when they have to really change stuff here. And Dudro, Monahan, the time is up, unfortunately. Though, the biggest move of the deadline, no one saw it coming. No one did. No one, no one, no one. And it's because Steve Eisenman was involved. Um, oh, what, a, what a great GM he is, eh? Just, yeah. I love Steve Eisenman. Yeah. The Capitals acquire Anthony Mantha in exchange. They send Detroit. Jacob Verana, the even-strength gold king, as I like to call him. By the way, um, if he gets some real power play one time when Ovechkin's on in front of him, watch. I, I feel like he's going to really look like a stud. He, he also get a first this year and a 2022 second. Now, in preparation for this podcast, I'm pretty sure all of us have read 31 Thoughts. We've listened to the 31 Thoughts podcast. I listened to the Ray and Dregs one too, just to get a sense of, because this is such a fascinating deal. Like there's so many different ways to look at this. So, Here's how I understand this deal technically looks if you break it down. But no matter how you look at this Detroit, or like what, what a pickup here. The second rounder is really for the panic contract. Um, the first is for the cost certainty of the top six winger in Manta that has the term after this year because Rana needs a new deal. Okay, I think it's like a two-year, $3 million per bridge. And then obviously you have the swap of players who apparently – we saw this with Manta. He seemed to have been in the doghouse all year, but apparently the scene with Jacob Verana, which I did not know was a thing, but a fascinating deal. And Manta even scored in his first game when the Caps just rolled over you. It was great stuff to watch. But guys, your thoughts on a really, really, like a real blockbuster deal the deadline one i don't think we've seen since probably the jt miller ryan mcdonough trade from new york to tampa bay yeah we we almost had one last year we were this close yes then it then it got leaked to the media and lou said no that was the the parise deal yeah, yeah. which looks even better that he didn't do that this year Zach Parise is currently on the fourth line yeah. um I, I really like this deal i think on both sides i think mm-hmm. I get the, I guess the, the, when you break the trade down, it still seems like a little bit of a high price, but that's fine. Um, I think Anthony Mantha seems like the exact type of guy Washington would want because he's, he's like Tom, like he's a power forward, but he has skill. It's like you took a little bit of Tom Wilson's aggression away and threw some skill on. And that's kind of what you get with Anthony Mantha. Mm-hmm. Damn. I think it's a perfect situation for him because as I like I've been a huge Anthony Mantha fan for so long. I, I love his game. Um I remember when he was playing uh in the in the queue, I believe, and seventy goals. Yeah, and I don't know, it just I think I told people when he was playing for the World Juniors, I'm like, this is like Corey Perry 2.0. Like just his style of it. But at the same time, it 
it's a better situation for him where we've talked about where there's these guys that perform well on teams that don't necessarily have the depth or don't have a direction that kind of fits his prime like the Detroit Red Wings. And he goes into a situation now where he could just play his game and not be that guy where I think there was an expectation before where before Detroit got all these prospects where you had like a Larkin, you had a Bertuzzi and then you had a Manta and then you try to make something out of it. And then some reason a Franz Nielsen is signed to that kind of contract. But now I think it's even better now. I, I'm still unsure on why there was kind of that, I guess that, rough patch between him and management. I'm not sure where that was because they gave him that There's extension. Holes, man. There's holes in his deal in his, in his, in his game. That's the thing. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. He scores like monster. He's a monster. And obviously his, his numbers are going to look amazing. Cause he's on Detroit, but like this, he's just, he reminds me of in a much different way. He's, he's the sort of Joss Anderson, William Nylander for the Habs and Leafs comparison. Very different skill sets, I understand, but it is the, when Anthony Manta is on, he is a monster. But when he's not, it's like you want to shake him because you know when he gives it his all, you cannot touch the man. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what, maybe, as you're saying here, being the guy behind Ovechkin, and not to mention the cost certainty here will help because Ovechkin needs a new contract. That's pretty important. Will that help him? I don't know. Um, is Laviolette going to be able to get everything out of him? He's kind of that. Laviolette's always kind of stricken me as a no nonsense coach. But I think like that's what it is. Is it weird that they gave him the big deal knowing what he was? Kind of. But I, I don't know if like this was Iserman looking. It's like, okay, like if he's playing some 4D chess here and he's like, all right, listen, what's this? I'm going to make a deal here and someone's going to, I don't know. I like, it's really, really weird that a guy who it's just so clearly, especially under Blashell has just been a problem child. I hate to use that term again, but it, it was very weird. That they gave him the contract in the first place, but who knows? it worked out. Yeah, and I think what you mentioned, like, it's a good point with the holes in his game where I don't think it's going to be exacerbated now because you don't have to place him so high in the lineup all the time. You don't have to give him, like, the most minutes. Like, you could give him the favorable matchups now. Exactly. Like, listen, I love the Caps power play because it's, it's like, the second unit is, like, nothing, right? And then it's 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 been the Oshi Carlson et cetera first line power play forever, right? And that's just, and then like there's that hold at even strength afterwards that the depth guys can. I think that's what really helped Verana. And Manta, if, if he can take advantage of it, and like I think it's normally Kuznetsov that plays with Ovechkin, right? It's it's him or Backstrom. Those guys get you the puck. Yeah, they're gonna get him the puck. He can carry the puck. There are guys that can pick up the flack when he's not on it, I think. For sure. Uh, even, like, I think from a Verana standpoint, too, I think this is really, really good for him. Like, I think I have a feeling that they just couldn't get a contract done with him, and that's one of the reasons why they did end up making that move now and going out and getting someone like Anthony Manta could help them. Um, but I think the opportunities that – Verana will get, especially on the power play with Detroit, could be like he's a really good player. Mm -hmm. So I I think giving him those opportunities in different places that he might not have gotten in 
Washington because he's not the first thought in Washington. He's no. not even like the first four thoughts in Washington because there's so many other guys. Whereas on Detroit, he will be, yes, there's Larkin and there's other guys, but now he's one of the first guys you think of on Detroit because they don't have a whole lot no. on their actual roster right now. No, it's there was talk about how they liked Chronic and he was their leading scorer. I don't even think he, I think he was like 22 points or something. And it's like, ah, yeah. Oh, Detroit. Um, quietly, quietly horrible. Just the way they want to be. Steve Osmond. And they're credit. getting the assets like everywhere. I, it's oh, yeah. credit to them. And they were one of the, I've, cre- I've, I've sort of named the middleman team. We saw Detroit and San Jose did this. The holding some of the like, player salaries to help the more cap-strapped teams make deals. And again, Eisman and Breezeball here really started something. Um, and I think it's pretty fair to say, folks, that this is going to be the norm for a while now. Sound because, like Doug Ford there. Sorry. I was about to say the yeah. same thing. I didn't My know friends. he did that on purpose. I didn't know if he did it on purpose. See, no, not at all. I just, I've, I've never, I don't think, I can't remember the last time I said folks. You know, you know what? My friends. My, my mom says my friends, like when she's teaching. And I brought it up to her one day. I go, mom, are you just stealing from Doug Ford? And she goes, no, he's stealing from me. I was saying oh. it first, Okay. At least he could do. God, he's such a loser. God, he's such a. You see the video of that kid calling him a Timbit? No. I remember this Yorkdale rant. That one was the one where I'm like, okay. Anyway, my friends, um, we need in these uncertain times of a flat cap era, the crap teams with cap space to help make the deadline possible. We're at the. Yeah, what do you guys? It's here to stay. The broker team. Yeah, Yeah, but it's creative, which we don't have a lot of in this league. Creativity. No, no. I mean, glad it it happens a lot in the NBA already. When I always use, I know use the example where there's not really, well, they are they they haven't really used the term broker team. It's just there's always another team included to take on the cap and then they get like a compensation pick or a, like a young guy in exchange mm-hmm. for taking on a really bad salary. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I knew this was going to happen to the NHL. Like it's, I'm actually surprised it hasn't happened as often because I remember there used to be three-way trades. Like that's, that's actually a fun fact how Christabel Huey went to Montreal. That was a three-way trade uh, with Radic Bonk involved um, and uh, Matthew Garon. But anyways, I'm surprised it didn't happen as often as it is now because with the NBA, like you'll have the rich teams or even in the MLB, you'll have the rich teams and they just have to pay a luxury tax. You don't have that option in the NHL. So I really thought that there was going to be a bit more of an urgency to make these type of deals to get them under the cap. Retained salary is not used a lot really, unless there is like, like again, like rental sometimes like the Habs took some patch of reddies. Um, Kessel is the big one, obviously. And Detroit are up to like two after the deadline. I mean, like you could use this also in the future past the flat cap era. You know, there, there's potential there. Um, there's potential. Kind of like apparently there was potential for a line A trade. Pierre LeBrun's on the broadcast. Columbus were listening on line A. Now, there was no certain indication it was close, but 
It's, um, I didn't think it was going to come this quickly, guys. I really hoped it was going to work out there. And, and like nothing set yet, but I mean, he finally broke his like 14 game goalless drought with a pair. But I, I just think that speaks volumes right now that the state Columbus are in. Yeah, they're they're in a weird situation. And I, I tried looking at what the fans' perception is here. And it, it seems a little bit mixed because I'm curious. Like, I'm sorry, I don't get to watch a whole lot of uh, Columbus Blue Jackets games. Number one, because they're barely on sport. Like, I rarely see them on Sportsnet to begin with. Um, it's just what, like... Is it torts? Because I see fans saying, some fans saying, well, it's line A, some fans saying it's torts. And I have a feeling it's somewhere in the middle. It's, listen, Portsline had that article about how they tried to make him into a power forward that can work both ends of the ice. It's not going to work. Halfway through a year, like, or like during a season. Like, what are you doing? That's not his game. And I don't think that's something you do in the middle of a season, especially this one. You want to do that in the off season? Try. Yeah. It. Again, it's like we we used that example before too, where you've had these guys who are natural scorers, but you don't take that away from them. You just add that defensive element to them, where you show them like this is how you should back check. And I've used this example so many times. Ilya Kovalchuk, pure scorer, always had those 40, 50 goal seasons. He goes to New Jersey. He struggles in the off season. And Lou Lamorello talks to him. This is what you need to do if you want to be, you know, if you want to like get the most out of your game. And he he brought it back. But this was the year they went back to the finals. He went back to eighty points plus. But the thing is, he didn't lose that scoring touch. He just added more of that defensive responsibility. Mm-hmm. We you can even use Matthews as yeah. an example. Like uh, I think if you watch Matthews throughout la- the last season, um, nineteen twenty that there was small progressions made throughout the season, but where you saw the biggest changes was when they stopped playing in March and they started playing again in July, you saw strides that were made defensively. Then when they started again playing this season, even in the first game against Montreal, there were parts where you saw he made strides in the off season. The biggest strides I, from what I've seen, aren't really done in the regular season. It's once the season's like in the off season where most of your strides are probably going to be made. Let him get a training camp in your system under him first before you try and change an entire player's game. Right. It's simple. What are you doing? You're fools. Um, so I, listen, I think he holds out. I, I feel like he'd hold out. What do you think? Oh, for sure. He's going to hold out. Still, First off. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say, if Torts is, if they extend Torts, because this is obviously his last season um, under his current contract, line has gone. Like, you know, first off, he's an RFA. So he's obviously going to take a lot longer because that just seems to be the trend now. And yeah, I just, what is the relationship with Columbus right now? Unless they're like, hey, we're going to give you whatever you want. You know, uh, it's like I, a Carmelo Anthony like, situation. I would hate my boss, but if you gave me a contract worth eighty-eight million dollars, no. I'd probably deal with it. That's true. Um, or maybe he takes a bridge and demands a trade before training camp, like a certain Pierre Luc Dubois. <laughs> It'd be funny if that happened again. I, 
and I don't know, and then they trade him for whatever. Uh, a couple, speaking of contracts, actually, we've got a pair I really want to talk about here. Alex, I follow two, no, not two years, $4 million AAV, four years, the King signed him. Scott Lawton, five years, $3 million per. Um, who wants to talk about who? I'll give each year one here to have a little word about. I'll talk about Scott Lawton. Okay. Do you want to take take it away with Scotty then? Yeah. I, uh, one thing, sorry to set it up. Yeah. Contracts that I think take each player when you look at their ages right through their primes. Go go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I uh I was surprised by this because he really did take a hometown discount with this one because he is having a career year and the way Scott Lawton is playing and the way the Flyers in general are playing, I really thought that he would kind of leverage this in the offseason to try to get something of higher term. Oh, no, not a term, but of higher cap hit. And in terms of this, I think like it's again, like it's it's a player that has shown that he loves being there. Mm-hmm. And that $3 million, if he could continue these numbers, is going to be a steal, especially when the Flyers have to consider what is Claude Giroux and Jakub Voracek. Um. I always like Scott Lawton. I think that I, I'm very appreciative of the fact that they've been very patient with him because, again, he's a real junior guy. He was the captain of the real junior team for Canada. Um, I've been following his career this whole time, and he was drafted back in 2012. But the fact that he's been able to kind of elevate this game at a tumultuous time for the Flyers is just astounding. And I think for how Philly is dealing with everything right now, um, this is definitely a plus for them. He mm-hmm. plays that power forward style. He could play center. He could play the he could play the wing. So it's definitely someone that you keep around, especially at that cap hit for whatever is next for the Flyers. Mm-hmm. Alex Ayafala. Oh, Alex, comma Alex Ayafala. Uh, um, yeah, you know this is a guy I was really high on the Leafs getting. Um, also. It maybe it was because he was a UFA. He was going to be a UFA. We heard a lot more about him this year, but I I think he could be a really good. I guess let, we'll call him secondary piece mm-hmm. um, to what the Kings are building in in the guys that they've already drafted. Like we haven't even seen. Has Quinton Byfield played in the NHL yet? I don't think so. No. I'll like, double check though. Like they're building. They're building something. I think really good. Uh, in in LA, and I think keeping eye on follow, I think he'll be 32 by the time that contract ends. Worst case scenario, you can trade it. I think by that time, it's not like it'll be a steep drop off, but he will also be a very useful piece to your core. Um, Quinton Byfield, no games in the NHL, but as an 18 year old, uh, 19 points in 26 games played with the Ontario Reign. That's pretty good. I have a question about that. For you guys sure do you think that after seeing all these 18 and 19 year olds play in the ahl that the nhl revisits their the rule with the chl yeah though i think the chl picks up the phone and says yeah i hear what you're coming from but no i you know i i've never enjoyed watching the laval rocket like i have and obviously Caulfield's older and out of college, but yeah. just seeing how fun it is watching these young guys out of the sea, like it just feels like some people are have such a like a warped view of the AHL. It does wonders for that league having these young guys in, and, and 
I don't have a lot of love for the CHL for obvious reasons. If you know anything about their history, um, it just, it helps. I love the AHL. I have a soft spot in my heart for it. It's such an, an important underrated league. I really hope they can work something out with the CHL eventually. It just, it's not realistic, I think. But boy, would I love to see these young guys. And like, why can't you just figure out a thing where it's like, okay, they're not playing well, send them back. I, like, like, think of like a guy like Nick Robertson or Nick Suzuki when they went back after scoring like 40 goals, 50 goals. They were so above it and they didn't need it anymore. Like they did not need, they were not growing in those leagues. Weird enough, I think the best thing you brought up, Robertson, the best thing for Robertson was that there was no OHL season. Oh, yeah. Because he, it was either he was stuck on the taxi squad. Like, I don't know how many games he would have gotten. I mean, he got injured, but either way. Or he had to go back to Peterborough. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's such a discrepancy there. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, I, I like I like that. I like that. There is a bit more of what Alex said, like with the Nick Robertson thing, where I really don't think that there is going to be a bit of that, you know, going back and play that game again. Like, you know, it's, it's, he's above that level already that, that they, they've had the ability for him to kind of like transition slowly into it. Um, I'm not really, sh- I know that with the cancellations of everything, it's just going to be a weird draft. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna really be a weird draft where I think like that's the reason why like we saw a lot of these picks going where you, people don't really know what the value of them will be. I think there's still those top guys in the NCAA, but beyond that, like in terms of the CHL, I'm not really sure like how is that gonna go. But in terms of what's what's been going on, I think that there there should be more proposals now of changes of how old a player has to be to play in the AHL or maybe it's going to be based on an experience things. I know for sure in other leagues, especially with baseball that, you know, you have your options or you have a certain age where you reach something where you've showed a certain amount of experience in the major leagues or in a different level that that's what affects the contract, not the age. You know, we, there's this same, I can't remember who said it on Sportsnet, but a prospect needs to dominate at their current level before taking the, taking the step up. Right. The problem you have, and it's always talked about how different the NHL is, and it's, it's boys to men. You cannot just simply with every single player go from, hey there, I was amazing in the CHL. Like I'm this high scoring guy in the queue and then straight to the NHL. And it's otherwise, okay, so I'm too good for that league, but I'm not good enough for the NHL. And I have to wait, what, two, three years of, of either being overplayed or overripened to the point where I'm not getting any development, like goalies, especially because they need to get like, like you can't I think Jeff Merrick made a really, really good point. I've never thought of this, that goalies need to get different levels of shots. And like, you can't have a guy in college for three years. Like that was the thing for Spencer Knight. It's so important for development. I'm surprised like NHL teams have not just sort of pushed more for it too. It's like, I, I wonder how many different careers or how different a lot of careers would look if that bridge was sort of, you know, sort of tweaked, you know what I mean? It's a really good question though, Alex. It's you really, it, it would be the best thing for hockey if there was that adjustment. Um, 
Shall we move on, though, to the Leafs and the Habs? Sure. Yep. Okay. Um, we'll start with the Leafs then because they were very busy. Very, very busy. Um, a first, and I think it was a fourth, goes the way to Columbus, the first trade. And then the Leafs, the other way, get Nick Felino, the captain. Really, I don't know about you guys. I've always been a really big fan of Felino back when, remember when the All-Star game was in Columbus and there was that story about his daughter? Always loved the guy. Um, the rough and tough, up and down the lineup player that the Leafs have been looking for. I think it's very fair to say with Felino. Was the price rich? Yes. Yes. Though, but. I said a few weeks ago, like, who cares about a second or third if you're getting Sorensen if this is your best chance to win? And I will echo that now. Who cares? If you because you keep your best prospects, yep. if you're giving up picks to get Felino, I don't think it's that big of a, a dip here. No, I saw number one, like the market. There were more than there was more than one team willing to give up a first. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the expectation here was um, for the team. Like was Kyle Dubas going to call Yarmo Kekalai and say, "I know other teams are offering you a first, but I'll give you a second and I don't know, someone, right? Like, it's just, mm. the, that's what the, the market was. Um, I really like this deal, man. Like, the player, he wasn't my first option. I think he was, like, my third in terms of forwards. But the other two guys I had were Granlin and Ayafalo, and neither of them were traded. One mm. was extended, right? So I'm happy with this. I think he can play on the second line next to JT and Nylander when he comes back. Or you can make that third line an, a really more of a shutdown line than anything. Like you have multiple things you can do here, and I think that's the biggest, that's the most important thing. You can, Nick Foligno's not just going to be on your second line. He can do other things. He's probably going to be on your power play. I can't watch Joe Thorne or and Wayne Simmons on my power first power play unit. It's really, it is something else to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I, I really do like that move. Um, I saw a lot of people complaining that the Leafs didn't go after Taylor Hall. Yeah, I didn't. I, I just didn't see the fit. I think the name there was the name, but there was just not the the fit. You sorry, it, it you could say the numbers this and the numbers that. Yeah, number one, the team wasn't interested. Like this just wasn't. It wasn't happening. Uh, we they, they weren't interested they this was reported a couple of weeks ago right mm. they were interested in taylor hall and i also don't think it fits what the leafs need and he would have been a guy right you know how taylor hall said he want he didn't want to be the guy it's toronto everybody's a guy yeah i unnecessarily 100 percent agree with that he, he would he been under a microscope, Mike microscope, yeah, but in game, he's not like, he, oops, he's not the big guy. But if the Leafs gave up a first round pick and they were out in the first round or even the second round, Taylor Hall would have been someone a lot of people blamed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fair enough, but I. I like I agree, I didn't see the fit there either. It's it's just like he's the last guy you want to hold the puck on if he's playing on the second line. 
like you you wanted with the other you wanted with Willie and JT, but I don't get why you would complain about not having Taylor Hall when like listen the Leafs they don't need a scoring help on the top six they don't need it only so there's only one puck we need to remember here. I saw a lot of people or multiple people saying, well, you know, there was the lack of scoring in the Columbus series. Clearly that like that was an issue. Uh, The issue was that no one cared. That's what the issue was. Anyone watching that series would tell you that no one on the ice cared and they admitted it themselves. Marner said in the game five press conference that he wasn't in it, that that wasn't his best game. So I don't think scoring was the issue. I think you needed some, you need people in the locker room, and I think they have it now that will say, "Hey, wake up!" Like, you know. Credit to Columbus too. I mean, they, yeah. they, 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 and Polina was a part of that. Yeah, he, yes, he yes. is that. He's a system guy. Like he flir- like not offensively, but he flourished with Tortorella. Like that. That's a battle scar right there. I believe it was Elliot Freeman who mentioned it. Well, he said about Riley Nash, but you could say the same thing with Felino, where these are guys that the Leafs have faced before, where they saw how their game was and they liked what they saw and they got the best parts of it to add to their own team. And I I, I agree. Like the Nick Felino one, again, like we'll 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 it's it's Toronto, right? You're not gonna you're gonna still follow like I still follow Tobias Bjornfot. From that yeah. deal, um, from the Jake Muzzin deal, like I know that no matter what, we're gonna still follow Seth Jarvis. We're gonna follow what this first round pick becomes. But like in essence, like I agree, like the Nick Felino one just made so much more sense because of just that flexibility he has in the lineup, and again of that that voice that he adds to the team. Where it's just, and you know, we don't know if it's just a media thing, but it's just something with Taylor Hall where it's. It's just it's just a risk I, I wouldn't want to take, and I'm I'm kind of relieved that they didn't express that type of interest. But when it comes to someone like a Nick Foligno, it just it just I don't know it sits it sits better with me, especially with the composition of how this team is and what Kalubis has done in like the last year and a half with them. You know what you hate in the playoffs? Playing against a team that plays hard. And Felino is going to play hard. That's what like the fit is obviously the puck retrieval sort of stuff, right? The dirty areas. The thing that I love the most is that no one is going to like fighting Felino in a puck battle. No one's gonna like that. And then, oh God, second line. Uh, or for wherever he is in this case. Oh God, here's Hyman. Oh no! Wait, like say what you want about his play. I have to. I mean, Simmons is gonna try and punch me. No, you know, Joe Thornton can be a nasty man. Yeah. Um, shall we move on to Riddich? Sir, yes. Riddick, Riddich, Riddich. The Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah. Um, the depth goal. See, you what's we were bickering. What do the Leafs need? Is it the depth defenseman? Is it the top six winger? Is it the depth of goalie? And then Dubas just did it all. So he had the the Thanos. So that well, yeah, situation. He, he, he got. Like, it. So, I'll do it myself. So Ben Hutton is the depth defenseman. Alexander Boarding. David Riddich is the goaltender. I thought they needed to get not a bad third goalie. 
Not at all. You want know Daniel? You make a great point there. I might try and make that graph. That that graph. <laughs> by the way, it's going to be the. It'll be uh the glove, and each stone will have someone else's face on it. Sorry, you just gave me a great. <laughs> thank idea. you, thank you. Felino, Riddich, Hutton, Nelson, uh, Stephen Nelson. Yeah. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Just we'll put people on. Who's the guy they got for? I forgot the name. The the guy playing the HR now. They got for Bear Banoff. Um, the guy who you signed in 2017 go. because he had good potential and he was a trade chip. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that was everyone's comment about that. They're like EA, EA Games legend. So, uh, but Dave Riddich accomplishes something very important for the Leafs playoff yes. success that they hope to have. And that is. No Michael Hutchinson. It keeps Michael Hutchinson that much further out of the net. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. It it keeps Michael Hutchinson out of the net, and I wonder if we know we know Freddie's not coming back. Like after this year, you have to think that Dubis might want to keep David Riddick, depending on how he looks. Like he did play last night, uh, and he did admit himself it was very weird playing his former team two days after or a day after he got traded. Um, I wonder if maybe there's he's thinking of this is the guy he wants to move forward with mm-hmm. after this season as well. Fair enough. Um, I don't know how exactly the transition to Ben Hutton because I just can't stop thinking about that video of him singing Barbie Girl, playing with his hair when it's you can comb me, comb my hair, and then undoing a button on his shirt. He's a a rock star. He is. You know, funny thing about Ben Hutton, um, I was talking to someone about Ben Hutton. Just we were talking about what the Leafs had done at the deadline. And I remembered this was pre-podcast. When he was let go, when the Canucks didn't qualify him, I'm like, hey, I think the Leafs should pick him up because the Leafs, like the Leafs did, uh, to be honest, to be fair, the Leafs didn't have a great defense at the time. And he was, there was still potential there. It felt like he, from what I had read, Ben Hutton could be a a very good, at least bottom guy. And it Mm -hmm. didn't, things didn't necessarily pan out, but I, I really do like this move. Like we said, it's one le- it's one more guy to put between Martin Marincin and NHL ice. Mm-hmm. The price not bad at all. Like I I've I think Ben Hudden was someone that he just really filled it. He fills his role really well, and I'm you know I'm pretty comfortable if he could come into the lineup here and there. He is someone that. He's been pretty reliable with things. I, I admit his qualifying offer with the Canucks was pretty high, but he's been able to bounce back from it. I know that he had to do um, a PTO with the Ducks, but he he rebuilt his value there. He was gonna make it. He was yeah. gonna. You know, it's funny when I saw Ben Hutton. I, I still thought he was in LA for some reason. That's a guy who you hope gets a permanent home somewhere. He's just been bouncing, bouncing, bouncing around. Uh, and I've said and, it before. I love his character. I love what he brings to the locker room. I love when somebody has just personality, period, in the NHL. Why not? Um, anything else on the Leafs deadline you guys want to touch on? Um, I, I don't think They've so. done good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think 
I think there's consensus for the first time in a while among Leaf fans that it was Kyle Dubas did a good job. Oh yeah. Yeah. Even can... like I know some people wanted Hall over Felino, but I think they would recognize that he did a good job. Mm-hmm. And that exactly. doesn't happen often. They're they're set. Like I think they're gonna like they're built for going into war in a way. Like they're built for playoff hockey. And this is the most I've kind of could say for this since 2002. They have reserves. Exactly. Yes. They they have the guys that are going to go out there and get into the dirty areas. Like they have this team where, again, if I, I mentioned before, if they were to face Boston again, like this is, this team would be, would have been ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's the measuring stick. Boston Bruins. I hate them. We all do. Okay. The Habs. But we're um, okay. Boston pizza. Yeah. I do love Boston pizza. That's good. It's pretty pricey though. Yeah, it is. You know what? Domino's is all right too. Get some uh, thin crust cheese. Especially uh, for race week. Because, you know, Grand Prix, you know, coming up this weekend. Love to see it. Okay. Um, The Habs had a quiet, busy deadline. They waived Victor Mete. Um, He was claimed by Ottawa. How the hell Buffalo did not think to claim him is beyond me. But unfortunately, he stayed. He follows Mike Riley's shoes, actually, of um, sticking around in, with the Sens after the Habs are done with them. <laughs> Cheeky bastard. Um, I'm going to miss Victor Mete, though. I'm not going to lie to you guys. He had an interesting career. Uh, he showed up right out of junior, though I, maybe that's a guy at the same time, though. Maybe it would have been better if we had an AHL system where he could have just went down. But. You know, it, it took like three seasons for him to score a goal. <laughs> yeah, it just, he needed to change the scenery. And you know what? I think there's worse places to go to than like where the Sens are going to. Like, yeah. good for them to claim him. As long as he doesn't go to Boston next, then I think I'll be okay. Nah. Nah. Well, because Mike Riley went to Boston, right? So as long as he doesn't follow that path. Quite good pickup, by the way, for the Bruins. Like a third? Maybe, yeah. Maybe a little pricey on the, yeah. the draft order, but again, um, he's pretty invisible sometimes. Big issue. <laughs> no, I think that's a interesting, interesting claim uh, by by Ottawa, considering like the guys they do have coming very, very soon. Like, mm-hmm. Daniel, where he fits. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. There you go, go Alex. Go ahead, Alex. I, I don't. I finished. Oh, okay. No worries. I like Victor Matt there. I think like. I think he's one of those players, and again, I'm going to use an EA Sports analogy kind of thing. You know, he's one of the guys you get in the later rounds, and he'll show like defensive defenseman, but like he'll be like a 74, or 72 when you draft him, but that's his like ceiling. Like he'll mm-hmm. go up to maybe a 77 or like an 80 if you play him a lot, but that that's what you get with him. Like by the time, like either if he's like 20 or he's 25. Mm-hmm. That that's what you get with Victor Mete. So I I like his personality with the Habs. I I really kind of thought that he was just going to be a longtime fixture on that third pairing, but given COVID, given you know the way depth goes these days, um, it's kind of interesting because I thought he was the most cost effective guy there. But of of course, like they didn't really see it that way, and it's not going to hurt them too much, but it's just, it's a weird feeling at the time right now, because 
you still look at his age and the amount of games he's already played that it was interesting that he was placed on waivers. Mm-hmm. Especially earlier in the season, like they tried very hard to keep him. And I mean, like he did request a trade. That's like true. everyone understood the place that the Habs are in with their bodies. Fro Leak never complained once. He's played once. Um, did he request a trade? Did we ever figure that out? Because his agent apparently said he did, and then Bergevin said he didn't. Met, oh, Meta? Yeah, he did. Oh, he, oh, he Friedman's did. not going to say that on headlines without having any sort of confirmation about it. No, I know. I know. No, I, I know. Just because Bergevin denied it. And no. I mean, Trey Living kind of did the same thing. And just they both happened to, Bennett and Mete both happened to have that sneaky old agent. Yeah. Well, fine. Hey, he's gone. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to miss him. I, I hope he does well, though. It's just he needs to actually work on what he can do in the offensive zone as a defenseman because I just I don't like him defending. I feel like there are too many mental lapses sometimes. But again, because of his age, yeah, he can you can iron those out pretty easily, I'd yeah. say. Um, again, they take longer defensemen. 26, you'll know what he is. So another young puck mover – for the Suns. Good exactly. pickup for them. Um, and then we look at some of the actual pickups the Habs made. We had it last show, but now we've actually had some time to actually look at it. Um, the first, John Merrill. I did not realize this guy is actually pretty good when it comes to shutting down chances in his own zone. Um, and I forgot he was on Vegas, too. Really, with yeah. great hair. A real mullet. Not people saying long hair is a mullet. He actually has the short in the front, party in the back. He's a um, Lou guy. Like, he's a Lamorello type of guy. Where, yeah, you can totally. Is it what? Is, did he grow this the moment he got out of New Jersey? Like, the moment Lou Probably, left? yeah. I don't know. Like, he was uh, those, like, I remember when uh, the Devils were kind of sparse on the prospects. He was a guy where they were kind of stashing the NCAA. And he was kind of hyped up to be, you know, one of not like a Scott Stevens or Scott Edomar, but like he was one of like those really solid, like a, like a Johnny Oduya mm-hmm. type of defenseman where you're very patient with him. It's like, listen, he was a plus two with Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> like, and plus minus, like you have to be careful looking at that. But if you're on a team that, you want to look up their their goal differential quickly, and you are that like he's. We'll talk about Gustafson in a second, but he really is the sort of polar opposite player of Gustafson. Like not a lot of offense to speak of, but like you can trust him. And the way Montreal have been playing in their own zone this year, um, I think it's a really like smart, clean bargain pickup for Bergevin, which we all know um, is his special special speciality. He's my, they're minus forty one. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, so that is very impressive. Uh, mm-hmm. John. Mar- yeah. I, I think the John, I, I did like the John Merrill pickup because what it does is I think if one of the guys on the left side go down and I think a guy like Sherratt or a guy like Edmondson, I think John Merrill's a type of guy you can slot right in there and not, miss a whole like maybe he's not as good as the guys um that i mentioned but i think he's a very suitable seventh defenseman you can slot into a team that is looking to make a deep playoff run Hmm. see i think he's i think he's a bit more than that 
Um, I say that because I think the way it looks that obviously Sherratt should be back soon, apparently. Um, Superman recovery. It's weird. Um, like, I think he's an 82-game defenseman, like reading what I've read. It, it, the sense is he's playing on the third pairing of Romanov when all is said and done, which I like because, like, Romanov, I feel like, like playing with, like, Mete and Kulak, those are guys that like to jump up. And I feel like, like you can – like they're hesitant to play Romanov at three on three. And it's like, man, that's the explosiveness type of player you want. And I feel like if you can get him more comfortable in a 60 minute sort of game, like being comfortable offensively, like he's not afraid to shoot the puck. I think Merrill's a really, really good partner. Like that was one thing I was questioning at the start of the season was who is Romanov going to play with? Um, and I was really hoping they would get a more steady right-handed defenseman. Uh, instead, they've decided to play Romanov on the right, as we know. And, you know, he's been good at it. Um, the real question I have of where a certain player is going to go is Eric Gustafson. Now, I'm, I'm not like a seventh for Eric Gustafson, who was a few years removed from 60 points. He still has put up like decent offensive numbers in Calgary. Um, even this year on Philly, like his, his stay at home game is nothing. We don't care about that. Like that's not his game. Um, you don't want him to be a complete liability, but if you play him with a defensive guy, you can he's make a, it work. He's a fourth forward. Yeah, like we, I think we've spoken very highly of Gustafson over the couple, like past couple of years. Um, I like in a healthy lineup, though, I'm just, I'm wondering where he would fit because I really would like to see what he can do on the power play, aka kick Shea Weber off and give him a chance. I, I think that could be a good option. It's just, I'm trying to think they're not going to take Sherrod out, you can't take Edmondson. You're not taking Petrie or Weber off. No. Like, uh, that, that's, that's the one guy who is probably going to be fighting it is Gustafson. Because at the same thing, you don't want to take Romanov out. Like, I thought he played lights out against the Leafs. Like, that's the type of defenseman you're going to want in the playoffs. So, like, I, I do have questions with Gustafson. That's one thing that's, that's, that's bug, bugging me. Like, good pickup for nothing. Right. Like, it was a seventh. Like, what? It's a seventh round pick, man. Like, I guess. Yeah. They, and don't they have, like, they already had, like, three of them at the time? Yeah. It's kind of just. Yeah, you're right. I, I I was, I thought Custerson was one of the guys when they were looking for a left-handed puck-moving defenseman that they should have gone after. Um, so to finally see Montreal get them is, is bittersweet at the moment. But it'd be, it'd be interesting where they put him next to because – I don't know. You can't put him really next to Petrie because no, Petrie, God. please don't. Be a little messy. I I don't know if you can put him next to Weber. Like I guess you tell Weber to back off a bit in terms of pushing. Yeah, um, which would help. Which, yeah. which would right? Which would help? Like he's not moving as up and down as often. Maybe for the time being, who's playing next to Weber right now with Trent? Kulak. So maybe, it was Edmondson, but they finally realized that was a disaster, and now it's Kulak. May, so maybe that's the where he slots in for now until Ben Sherratt comes back. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what I guess we'll see what version of Eric Gustafson Montreal gets. Again, I've said it before. Like Montreal, they have options. They've have a lot of options. Like wherever they gotta go with things. So um, it'll be interesting how they juggle everything. Like, Evans is out of the lineup now because Armia looks to be back. And it's just like, man, 
Uh, it's 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 frustrating. We can sort of transition to the Leafs game here because I thought Montreal played like the second game against the Leafs is like okay, there they are. That's the team we know and love. Okay, yeah. like I thought they were. Again, it, it was almost like that away side of the ice, but this time with the Bell Center was a little great. Like, fantastic first period. Um, you expected the Leafs to come back and push in the second, and you expect the Habs obviously they can't, they need to get the lead. So, getting those two goals early were massive because you know, you knew the Leafs were going to score. Like, I, I wasn't surprised when they tied the game up because like, this is how this works. But it, it was just. The Habs, I thought, played a really, really strong game. It's like, like this is what they need to freaking be. And by the way, the empty net fiasco at the end of the game, I thought was hilarious. Like, just let's just, just keep trying to, like, uh, let's do seven straight icings because no one can bury the puck here. Yeah. Uh, that game, I mean, I guess from a Leafs standpoint, I wasn't very impressed with them. Like, yeah, like I was watching with Mike. The, this is the only time ever I've seen him leave early. So that should tell me, that tells me something. Um, I thought Montreal played a really, like, I was very impressed with Montreal. Uh, they, they looked like the team I expect them to be. Mm-hmm. Is, is that fair? Oh, yeah. I think they're rallying in a way. Like, they have so many of those injuries that what we said before is, like, what they need to do to win despite the fact that they're going to have a few cracks in their lineup right now, and they've been doing it pretty well. Jake Allen's been solid. Um, that reworked first line, it's been really solid. Like, Philip Deneau is, as we've said before, the theme, you know, it's he's there. He, he's playing his game again, and that depth is showing up again with, you know, those three scoring lines. Mm-hmm. It, I, should we, can we, can I talk about the Leafs for a second? Sure. No, I just the one thing, uh, last thing I have to say about the Leafs from that game, I guess in particular, is that I'm glad they were still in that game, even though they weren't playing well. Which tells me, even when they're not able to score, or it looks like they're not able to score, their defensive game has improved that much. Because last year that game was a wash, mm-hmm. right? There was there's no. There's no, it's 3-2 for the, in, or whatever, 2-2 two, two for stretches. It's, well, you know what, defensively, whoever's in net's going to have to come up huge. I don't know if that was necessarily the same. Like Campbell had, was in very impressive. Um, and it's, uh, it's unfortunate he lost and he's got to stop blaming it on himself. This is, it hurt. It he has the red, watch. he it has the red lobster watch. sponsorship now though. <laughs> Does it not hurt to watch every time, like in a in not? It was a it, bit puppy dog, like right. Man. It's like man, like clearly it wasn't you. Like, go watch that game. Again. You know, at least it's a change. Like you didn't at least say we just didn't get the bounces tonight or something. It was like listen. It was what were the goals? A bounce off Galchenyuk. Love to see it. <laughs> love, love to see it so much. Forgets um, his side. The power play where Suzuki has been scoring on that spot all year, um, like shooting confidence, does wonders for a get <laughs> Um And then a two-on-one with Joss Anderson, who had been killing stuff all night. That's not his fault. And like and again, um, he may have been scoring on Suzuki, but there was that time when Suzuki walked in in the middle of the ice and Campbell stopped him. And then, you know, you know there were a couple of Canadians you don't win, want in on tight. 
sorry, that you don't want in tight. Suzuki's one of them, and, and Campbell stoned him. I thought he was really, really good. I thought he was better than Jake Allen. Uh, I, I don't know why he was so hard on himself. It's, it's a bit like, I was like, man, just... Can the boys just go up to him and be like, listen, like a friendly just slap and be like, it's not your fault. Shake him. Sorry, man. You want 11 straight. Like, you're good. Yeah. You're all right here. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. it for me on the Leafs, at least. Okay. Um, a note on uh, on the Russian panda, by the way, Alexander Romano. <laughs> when he dropped Mitch Marder, I think it was in the third open ice in Montreal zone. Oh, oh, oh. Ah, oh, and then like, it was against the boards of Matthews, and it was just like, what was that video you sent of like that panda, like just destroying? Oh, never, never, never say no to panda. Yeah, yeah. Matthews was like, I don't want to lose, and Ramal was like, you've chosen death, and was just mauling him. It's like he didn't buy the cheese. Like, there's some stuff where you're like, oh, you know, I want to be, you know, just you know, just a good game of hockey and that. But then, like, obviously with the Leafs and Habs, you're like, I want blood. Mm-hmm. And I, I want Romanov to just go off here. And I am so excited that if the Canadians can make the playoffs, which these next few games against Calgary are going to really solidify if they're going to make it or not. Yeah. Yeah. It's looking good, but, you know, you want to get the insurance. I can't wait to see what a Romanov can look like. Um, and again, Joss Anderson, too. Really strong game, I thought. Really, really strong. Was just him on the rush is just such a joy to watch. And it just... You can't knock him off the puck is yeah. something I love about the guy. And in the seven-game series against the Leafs, I'm going to be really excited to see what he can do. That pod, This podcast is going to be very interesting mm-hmm. that week and a half. Mm-hmm. I'll be right. the bridge. Yes. Um, anything else, lads, we want to talk about before we get going here? No. no okay. I'm good. Um, everyone bring up the Twitter. Um, I don't. Just one thing. Um, yeah. The Marlies have had their facilities shut down due to COVID. Let's see if I can find the tweet. It's from Chris Johnston. I just I lost it. Well, hopefully they're all well. That's uh, a. Toronto Marlies are being shut down through next Wednesday because of a COVID situation. So hopefully everything is all right with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to imagine there's some connection to the the Leafs here like making sure that they're also all negative because of you know bringing Sabrin up and Robertson etc etc oh yeah we hope everyone is okay exactly um wishing them the best yeah um all right lads I think that's everything oh one more thing before (laughs) you put it in before you put do the ending because we do have TikTok Oh yeah, we That's do. That's the yes, one we thing. Do. I forgot to bring it up at the beginning of the show. We had the first post up yesterday. It was the preview from last episode. But yeah, try put some stuff on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Still learning. I need to stop dropping things. All right. Well, and again, before we go, keep emphasizing it. Get well soon, everyone on the Marlies. Um, COVID is still a thing, people. Never forget, my friends. Don't do it. Um, Maybe it would be better if a certain member of government was figuring stuff out. Anyway, check out the TikTok, the Twitter, the Facebook, the podcast on Spotify, on iTunes. Leave it a five-star review. Thank you to Voicehead for always as being a fantastic platform for the show. Check out all our social medias. Uh, my YouTube channel, Alex's blog, Daniel's stuff for the eye opener. All of that. 
Lovely, lovely stuff. What did you think of the deadline? We'd love to know, and you can let us know in so many ways, including leaving a comment on the YouTube version of this show when you can see all our beautiful faces are where Alex looks like an equipment trainer. Daniel looks like a TA when well, he normally is one. Um, and I undid my hair tie at the end of the show. So you can look at that. That's it. And we will see you Sunday. And we'll talk a little bit of Formula One because the MLA Grand Prix is happening. Thanks, guys. Well.